Thanks for tuning in to The Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that helps you experience happiness through hope, creativity, and validation of self and others. So listen up as we share tips and practices to improve your happiness game. I'm Larie Florence, and I'll be your host for episode 103 of The Happiness Playbook. Today, we're talking about anxiety. If you haven't experienced this challenging emotion or don't know anyone else in your friend group or family, then feel free to skip this one and we'll catch you next week. Otherwise, stay tuned. You don't want to miss this. I promise I'll either royally tick you off or change your world for the better for the rest of it. But before that, it's time for our team huddle. How did you do with last week's challenge? I absolutely laughed more when I made it a conscious effort. I also had the advantage of a few of you sending me some of your favorite videos that make you laugh. A big thank you to Trevor Solier for sharing Danielle LaBelle's YouTube channel. Do yourself a solid and go check out his video on the different types of laughers. I'll share the link in the show notes. I love hearing from you and about the experiences that you're having while practicing play theory. Thank you all so much for taking the time to share the podcast and to share your feedback with me. And since we're talking about sharing, please think of someone you know that could use a little more positive in their life and then share your favorite episode with them. It's easy to copy the link and text it, or you can click that little square with an upward arrow icon that's on the episode uh, wherever it's playing, and send it direct via text. All right, our play-by-play. I'm here to tell you that anxiety's a good thing. Really? I know some of you are going to strongly disagree with me about this. I get it. I need to clarify that not all anxiety is a good thing, but a lot of it, a lot of the kind that our culture is stymied by is, or at least can be. Anxiety in general is big. Over 100 million people in the U.S. alone will suffer from an anxiety disorder in their lifetime. Since 2010, anxiety among youth is steadily rising. Tens of millions of teens in the U.S. alone will be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder before they reach adulthood. So With this rise in anxiety, we also see increases in self-help books about anxiety, mindfulness and meditative practices, holistic natural remedies like nootropics, and even mushrooms that are supposed to be fairly good for our brain chemistry. Food allergens are identified and we're told to avoid certain ones, and self-medication like alcohol consumption and marijuana use increases when anxiety increases. 2020 alone saw a 34% increase in prescriptions of anxiety-related pharmaceuticals, and this number has only continued to rise since then. The blame for this jump in our overall anxiousness is often placed on social media, and the constant comparison with others that it encourages. But that's too simplistic. Stick with me to learn what's the real contributing factor of debilitating anxiety. As I said at the beginning, there's a range of anxiety and not all of it is good. Chemical imbalance is real. I know from firsthand experience, 
when my gluten-induced ataxia was at its worst, I experienced anxiety for the first time in my life that I couldn't tie to a specific reason. And this anxiety only lessened as I made changes to my brain chemistry and brought my all those hormones, whatever's going on, back into balance. So let's talk about non-chemically induced anxiety. This is caused by things that make us anxious. I can feel anxious about getting cancer. The pandemic made the whole world feel anxious. Students preparing for an exam feel anxious. I felt anxious this morning playing pickleball with a group that I don't usually play with. We feel anxious when we care about the outcome of something, getting cancer versus having good health, a pandemic that was constantly disrupting and seemingly threatening our lives, getting the grade we want or need to get in order to achieve our goals, playing well in a pickleball match so that the others will want to play with me again. Wanting results tends to motivate us to take action. Remember the run on toilet paper at the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic? We felt that we had to take some kind of action. And that was the one that I guess made sense to the most people. Apathy is the opposite of anxiety. If I really didn't care if I won or lost in pickleball, I would never feel anxious about playing pickleball. Olympians care tremendously about winning, and therefore, they're anxious and not apathetic about getting the results that they want. Dr. Tracy Dennis Tawari, a professor of psychology and neuroscience and the director of the Emotion Regulation Lab at Hunter College, thinks we've got our protocols on anxiety wrong. She's spent 20 years studying negative emotions, and she believes the mental health industry is not doing our society any favors by sending the message that anxiety is a dangerous disease that must be eradicated. She believes there's actually an upside to anxiety, and she's actually written a book about it called Future Tense, Why Anxiety is Good for You, Even Though It Feels Bad. I'll be sharing some of her thoughts and excerpts from an article from the Wall Street Journal that I will link in the show notes. I agree with Dr. Dennis Tawari. This is the part where I might make you angry. Taking a pill to alleviate anxiety may not be in your best interest. In fact, I think this over-medication of anxiety is not helpful in the long run, and Dr. Dennis Tawari agrees with me. She believes that rather than medicating all anxiety, we'd be be better off accepting anxiety as a tool to achieve our goals. This is a radical change of mindset. Instead of thinking, I need to stop this feeling of anxiousness by taking a pill, I can instead accept this anxious feeling and think that it could be a reasonable emotion and then build something positive from it. Listen to this truth bomb from Dr. Dennis Tuari. Many of us feel overwhelmed by chronic anxiety and don't see any benefit from it. We've come to believe that the best way to cope is to treat anxiety like COVID-19 or cancer by trying to eradicate it. 
but treating anxiety like a disease is a recipe for its spiraling out of control. It prevents us from distinguishing between ordinary anxiety and anxiety disorders, which occur when our ways of coping with anxiety serve to amplify it in ways that are out of proportion to the situation and keep us from functioning in our professional and personal lives. When we say anxiety is a public health crisis, what we really mean is that the way we cope with anxiety is a public health crisis, unquote. There's a lot to unpack there, so I hope you'll keep listening because we're going to dive deeper into this. She also goes on to say, quote, We need to develop a new mindset about this misunderstood emotion, reframing and reclaiming anxiety as an advantage and a valued part of being human isn't easy or just a matter of willpower. It takes practice and time, and it doesn't mean that anxiety becomes enjoyable. Anxiety can't do its job unless it makes us uncomfortable, forcing us to sit up and pay attention. We don't need to like anxiety, just to use it in the right way, unquote. Did you get that part about practice and mindset? Does that sound familiar? Okay, let's break it down. How do we practice using anxiety in positive ways? Maybe it looks like putting in some time studying for that test that's making you anxious, or doing more drills in pickleball before the big match so you're not so nervous, or following through on our health commitments in order to assuage our fears of possible disease. There are situations where the anxiety we're feeling isn't attached to any known activity. I've experienced this. Instead, it wells up unbidden and quickly becomes overwhelming. In this case, the chemicals are running the show and intervention of some kind will be needed to quell the flames of over-firing neurons. There are medications that can help, but before you commit to a pharmaceutical that has a wide array of side effects, look into some of the many promising treatments that have long-term benefits with fewer or no side effects. Things like developing a yoga or meditative practice aren't the quick fix a drug may be, but they offer long-term solutions with additional health benefits, and no downsides. For me, the change in diet made all of the difference. When I cast a kid as a lead in a Shakespeare show, I want them to feel anxious. Anxiety is a good thing in that case. Otherwise, they wouldn't put in the time and effort required to memorize all of those lines. In a beautiful way, The more anxious an actor is about preparing for their role, the less anxiety and fear they'll have because the best way to offset fear is to prepare. Here's where some accept and build comes in though. You'll have to accept that you can't prepare all at once for a lead in Shakespeare. That amount of memorization is a process, just like improving at pickleball and developing habits of good health. You can't do it in one day. And accepting that growth and preparation is a process will help offset any anxiety around these scenarios. Have you ever felt anxious about an upcoming assignment and then 
after applying a short or small amount of time and energy towards it, felt a sense of relief? Remember how it felt when you did the opposite? And instead, when you felt anxious about something you were committed to, you ran and buffered from it with non-related activities that did nothing to move you towards your goal. There may have been some short-term relief, but in the end, the anxious feelings were compounded when the thoughts about the upcoming deadline returned. Have you ever thought about how anxiety is actually fuel? I had anxiety about doing the flowers for my daughter Adeline's wedding. Adeline's wedding turned out beautifully, but I had a lot of anxiety that was actually a positive that kept me moving and helped me stay focused on solving problems and checking off the items on my to-do list. In my theater work, when I'm getting close to performance, there's nothing like a healthy dose of concern for how the show is going to turn out to get me focused on finishing up what's needed, like finalizing all the props and costumes. Studies have shown that anxiety actually increases dopamine, a feel-good hormone that our brains crave. And this is a helpful thing when the brain is dealing with a lot of demands, like doing the flowers for a wedding or making final preparations for a show. And this uh, increase of dopamine may help explain why studies have shown that anxiety increases our ability to focus, helps us respond appropriately when we're in an emergency situation, and it increases our overall creativity. They say that necessity is the mother of invention. Well, sometimes necessity creates some anxiety. And a lot of dopamine also, or not a lot, but dopamine also helps us with problem solving. Now, those all sound like good things. So if anxiety increases dopamine, can't that be a good thing? Here's another idea. Anxiety is a form of anticipation which can be a very positive emotion. Can we accept that we don't know the outcome of something in our future that we are very invested in and then accept that we have to wait and sit in anticipation about the outcome? This doesn't have to be negative. Here's where let go and play comes in. If we're good at this play theory attribute, then we can feel calmer about the possibility of being disappointed regardless of the outcome because we know that that doesn't mean game over. We can keep playing. And when we know that, we won't dwell on the possibility of failure because we won't be as afraid of the failure. We'll be able to let go of the disappointment and accept what is and then look for ways to build on what is to get to a more positive outcome. Are there things that are out of control in your life that you can't take action in? That's a harder scenario. When that happens, start with accepting that it is out of your control and that's okay. That's a normal thing. There are lots of things that we can't control. Earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, our adult children, and cats. Just accept that these things are beyond our control and let the idea that you should be able to control everything go. Maybe you can be more present in the current moment, whether that's an earthquake, hurricane, or tornado-free moment, 
and then lean into a sense of gratitude for the calm you're currently experiencing. Gratitude is a powerful tool to counter anxiety because we experience gratitude in the present and anxiety is experienced when we're focused on an outcome in the future. Currently, anxiety is such a buzzword, we tend to forget that it has always been a part of human existence. When I was young, I loved reading the little house books about the Ingalls family who were homesteaders living during the 1800s in Western expansion of the United States. There was often anxiety about the weather, how about the next nor'eastern blizzard would be, or if the rain wouldn't come and the crops would fail. When one of the sisters named Mary lost her sight due to an episode of scarlet fever, there was a lot of anxiety about what she would do living out on the frontier and being blind. Feeling anxious in such circumstances is not a mental weakness. In fact, not feeling any anxiety at such times would be a sign of mental illness and can also be a sign of serious health problems like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. In Tracy in Dr. Tracy Dennis Tuari's book, she contends that the sensation of anxiety isn't always a bad thing. In fact, feeling emotions help us identify what's needed for our well-being and can help us to take action. Think about the emotion of fear. When we feel it, our body engages in the flight, fight, or freeze mechanism for our protection. The emotion of fear lets us know that we may be in danger and can actually help keep us safe. That's a good thing. So, fear isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's even essential for our survival. Anxiety is the fear of a possibility in the future. Remember, the negative feelings of fear aren't the problems. It's what we do with those feelings that determines if our experience is positive or negative. Do we respond to anxiety in useful, constructive ways? Or do we obsess about the anxious feeling being something negative? Dr. Dennis Tawari asserts that when we label all anxiety as negative and consequently seek to avoid it, we lose the ability to use anxious thoughts as information that can inform us of our next needed steps towards safety and development. She suggests that our anxiety can de-escalate when we view it as information that can be used in avoiding danger and helping in achieving our highest outcomes. Remember the Olympians? They were anxiously engaged in pursuing their goals. We have covered a lot today, and in full disclosure, I prepared far more information that will fit in one episode. So I'm gonna turn this into a two-parter. I hope that you'll be sure to tune in next week where we'll follow up with this idea that anxiety is a mindset that we can reframe in a positive way in order to improve our lives. So until then, I hope that you'll keep practicing play theory and we'll see you next time.